Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. If you are a mother, then this episode is for you. A few questions for you. Are you wondering where to make mom friends, how to build your mom tribe, and how to build a support network? Are you an introvert? Do you feel like making mom friends kind of feels like dating? Do you feel like there's so much information out there and you're trying to figure out how to sort through all the noise? Do you have a hard time in the gray areas of life? Are you somebody who really wants to know what the right answer is? Do you struggle ever with perfectionism? If any of these things feel relevant to you, then this episode is for you. I sit down with my friend, Renata Cameron. Renata is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a board member of the Postpartum Health Alliance here in San Diego, and she runs a support group for new moms. Renata and I hit all these points in today's episode. I hope that you find it useful and you find some gems and wisdom that you can connect to and relate to in your own life. Let's jump in right now. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I am sitting with my good friend, Renata Cameron, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist. Renata, thank you so much for making the time to come to my office and have this conversation with me. Thank you, Cassidy. I'm so honored to be here. Honestly, thank you for walking me through my first podcast. (laughs) I'm like, where do I look? Do I stare into your eyes right now? (laughs) Just just, just stare into my eyes, Renata. No, it's like, do I look at the microphone? Or yeah. Look at you? I'm all worried. What do I do with my hands? Like, should, okay. This is going to be so fun. Okay. So Renata runs a support group um, down in Bankers Hill at the Future Generations office where I see clients once a week. Tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing now, but also what brought you to this work. Sure. Well, I am also a licensed marriage family therapist. And like you said, I currently started a private practice just this last year where I'm exclusively focusing on running groups for moms. So what I've created is like an eight-week group series for moms. Um, It's kind of like a modernized mommy and me. And I've also recently joined the Postpartum Health Alliance as one of their board members. It is a local nonprofit here in San Diego. We focus on awareness, education, and resources for postpartum families, um, particularly those experiencing uh, PMAS, so prenatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, So that's my professional world right now. Yeah. Personally, I'm a mom of two. Like you said, I met you um, when I had my second boy. I have a one and a four-year-old. Um, I'm a wife, sister, daughter, friend. Um, in this busy stage, I basically just do that. <laughs> I don't have much time, yeah, to dedicate to my other passions and worlds. Um, but what has been really cool and what I actually learned through you, Cassidy, is about the word uh, being a creative. Mm. Before, I did a lot of crafts. I really enjoy design. I really love interior design. Been watching HGTV but kind of thought I was crazy because I would constantly undertake these huge projects that 
uh, I just didn't have time for it. That caused me tons of stress. And I'd always wonder why I was doing this, why I was doing this, why I was doing this. And really in your work, and you work with a lot of creatives and talk about creatives. And I think you even spoke about how in the busiest time of your life, you tapped into your creatives um, as an outlet. And that's really just, it gave me a label to, I'm like, that's a huge Mm. piece of me. So have you found, because I have found this, that as an MFT in our field, I don't know, there's like, there's, there's some message there that we're supposed to keep that part of ourselves separate. Like mm-hmm. you can be a creative and that's great, but that's just what you do in your spare time. Don't bring that into your work. Oh yeah. But I think that that's wrong. I think that we should, and I think if anything, we have to as therapists integrate creativity and be able to access that parts of ourselves and honor that. Um, because then I feel like I'm the most authentic when I can show up as both parts of myself, a therapist, professor, educator, and a creative. Have you found that there is a conflict there for you or have you been able to integrate? I think previously I did, um, with my current, um, practice that I'm starting now, I really feel like all my worlds are combining and it feels Mm. so good, Mm. um, to be able to focus on motherhood, which is a passion of mine as a mom, um, to be able to focus on psychology, which is my professional passion. And then to have my own practice where I'm really been able to use it as a creative outlet. I've never felt more authentic. Mm. And as like you're saying, I think, it does go against what we've been taught or very traditional standards of our profession. And that's, I think I've been very limiting to our profession and it's made us, um, in a way very unrelatable. Mm. And I think in this time, uh, age and time and whatever it is you want to call it, the need for feeling real is so wanted and that makes us so much more valuable. It, It really does. Have you studied narrative therapy at all? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to a narrative conference a couple weeks ago and David Epstein, who's one of the co-founders along with Michael White, who co-founded narrative therapy, I cornered him. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) I was like, David, I'm a creative and I'm a therapist. And how do I do this? Tell me it's okay. Tell me it's okay. And after I, once I cornered him and he, (laughs) he offered up, um, he said, yes. He's like, keep doing that work. We need more of that. And he actually suggested a book to me. So if any therapists are listening to this, because I think there's quite a few therapist audience listeners, um, he, David Epstein gave me permission, one, and he recommended this book called Creativity in Times of Constraint. And it's like a book written for therapists and clinicians and how we can integrate creativity into our work, how needed it is especially right now Mm -hmm. during these times of constraint. I don't know. So I'm just starting it, but so far I'm loving it. And so straight from David Epstein, he said that we can integrate creativity into our work and that we should be doing it. So we should do a podcast on that so I can just have the cliff notes. (laughs) Perfect. I will. Okay. So let's jump in and talk a little bit about the support group that you're running. What is your philosophy? What are you trying to do with that group? Well, really, it's uh, very much a prevention, early intervention approach. So even though I'm a therapist, and as my husband will say, you can't take the therapist out of me, um, I really believe that every single mom needs a space to be able to process motherhood. And so this group um, really comes in as that space. It's um, not therapeutic 
in nature. That's not how I advertise it, but it's definitely going to give you a place to dig a little deeper and really mm-hmm. think about the motherhood experience and really sit in it with other people. Yeah. Um, my hopes and aims for it really are kind of twofold. One, I'm really hoping to create a sense of community for moms. Mm-hmm. I believe so strongly in the power of community and in the importance of just being around people that get it. Um, as a therapist within that space, I really hope to facilitate that conversation that uh, goes deeper and really fosters relationships that are more than surface level relationships. Mm, yeah. Um, so, so important. So important. And I think a lot of times because motherhood, as you know, <laughs> and as many who are probably listening know in their, in their personal lives, like it is hard, right? It's hard. But we may feel like we don't want to show up with that part of ourselves right? Because that feels vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And what if I show up and I say, I'm really struggling. And my friend who's a mom looks at me and they're like, you're crazy. This is the most amazing moment in my life. And then you feel incredible shame around that, right? right? Because there wasn't that open vulnerability and shared connection through that. So you're trying to create a space where moms can show up and take the masks off Mm-hmm. and be their true selves right and the, the the beauty and the brutality right exactly of of the, the maternal experience of their experiences exactly really um that's why it's a series instead of a drop-in basis is oh, yeah. one uh, um it creates that sense of safety once you you know really start to break the ice because of course we don't just show up and are like all right let it all hang out you yeah. know that's not realistic yeah. um or authentic um, so those series approach really helps to kind of really build off of that. And then just the conversations, they're going to start super, um, you know, at the surface level, they're going to yeah. start with addressing just the needs of the moments. And then they're going to get deeper and deeper as moms get more comfortable. And as we get more comfortable together, yeah. um, but through those conversations, it really goes to my whole second piece mm. of the group series, which is really aimed at helping moms get really comfortable mothering in the gray of motherhood Mm. and really comfortable with the idea that motherhood is a learning process, that there's not a right answer, but that it's more so about uh, always being prepared that you're going to have a new stage and a new thing come up and you're just going to have to keep figuring it out and experimenting and trying and that there isn't a wrong way to do it and but you just keep normal, showing up you keep and it's showing up yeah. it's a normal part of the process it's such a normal part of the process and that's really where through our discussions we start to really challenge and hopefully expel so many of the myths that surround motherhood about uh there's one way you should do it there's one mm-hmm. right way to mom there's um you should just know how to mom whatever it is that you might be carrying that you've um, soaked up through messages out there. Uh, we're hoping that through the discussion and through seeing everyone else sit in their struggle, right. you start to realize how normal your struggle is and how normal all your questions are and your feelings are. And that it's not about changing or fixing them, but about having a different relationship with them. So what you're telling me is that a lot of these <laughs> messages that we receive of the shoulds, right? Yes. So like, we should be doing it this way in order to be a good mom. This is how it's supposed to look. This is what right. the experience is supposed to feel like. You're telling me that these shoulds then potentially shift into sort of all or nothing, black or white thinking, where like all of a sudden it's like, it's either if I do this, if I have to do this and it has to be done this way in order for me to be a good mom, in order right. for the experience, like, or the experience needs to look like this one way in order for me to feel like I was meant to be a mom. Right. But what you're saying is that in the work that you're doing through these groups, it's about building 
comfort with the idea that there are so many shades of gray in between the black or white. And and this isn't 50 shades of gray. There's, <laughs> there's like millions of shades. Unless like that's what you're into. <laughs> Unless that's what you're into. Whatever you want to do. No right way. But there's a million shades of gray and a million ways in which motherhood can look. Um, okay. So what are some of these... What are some of these myths that you think need to be dispelled? Well, I mean, I think what the myths that need to be expelled, um, again, go back to there's a one right way to do anything. Mm-hmm. It just, that's like kind of the overall umbrella of it. Um, and that you're searching to measure up to that right way. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly, constantly trying to do, um, questioning yourself and you're doubting yourself. You're doubting um, everything you're doing because suddenly there's a million ways to do it. So suddenly you see a different way and you're like, oh, maybe I should have been doing it that way. And then suddenly, so you start doing things that way. You start trying that off and that doesn't fit you. So instead of questioning that way, you start questioning yourself or you start Mm. questioning your kid. And um, it just kind of takes you down this rabbit hole and ping pong game of, um, not knowing what you're supposed to be doing because you're so holding on tight to this idea that there is something you're supposed to be doing. There's a way you're supposed to be feeling. There's a, there's a right way out there and a right type of motherhood. And you're holding on to that picture or message Mm. probably because that sense of control, if there was one would feel good, but there isn't. And we have to get used to that gray and that vulnerability Uh. that there really isn't an answer out there that you can just find and make things easy. And would you say that our generation of mo- of moms of mothering is unique in the sense that like there I mean there's always been information out there but we have so much information like at our fingertips mm-hmm. like constant access to information and also constant access to everybody else's version of motherhood. Right. Usually the curated, filtered, like <laughs> highlight reel of motherhood through right. social media. But we have constant access to information. So how do you see that playing into all of this and what the unique experience of mothers is in our generation? Right. I'm like vigorously nodding my head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah so I really see that playing in, um, and this is mainly my own theory, but our generation is the first generation of moms that grew up with the internet. So we grew up very comfortable with having the internet right there to solve our problems, to give us information, um, as a kind of a go-to fix for whatever we were coming across in life. Uh, we never had to, and that's great. You know, we don't have to recreate the wheel. We have so much information that we can kind of pick and choose. But what I think that's done is because we got so used to it is it's had us create this idea that there is an answer and there is a Mm. fix. Again, going back to that, there is one way to do anything. Mm. And so I think moms and me included, our generation of moms really end up using the internet as a idea that there's a way to fix motherhood, a way to fix this experience Mm. if it's hard. And instead of using the internet as what it can be really valuable for us. It's just a tool. It's just Mm -hmm. a resource for a healthy approach to it would be going on and being like, oh, okay, I'm coming up on potty training. I have no idea how to do this. Let me look at all the different options and opinions about it and really filter through what fits me, what fits my kid, or what just doesn't pass the smell test, you know? Um, We, instead of using it as that... No pun intended. Right, that kind of worked out perfectly, right? (laughs) That was real good, Renata. (laughs) Um, But 
yeah, instead of using it as that sort of tool, we begin to um, use it as an answer that there's a fix, and we and that's what just kind of has us hold on tighter to that mm. expectation that. If we just do so, like if we say one parenting thing the right way, our toddler will suddenly like be able to critically think through Mm. their behaviors, their emotions or whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. So I cannot, I cannot even tell you how many times I've experienced something as a mother with my kids, um, or, or even for myself. Right. And I'll immediately go to Dr. Google mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll sometimes I'm like I don't even want to I'm like embarrassed to like say what my Google searches are sometimes <laughs> right my friends and I will play this game where it's like okay what was your last Google search and I'm like no I can't tell you she's yes like, no you have to tell me it's going to make you feel less shame remember <laughs> she's like you're the one that says you've got to voice those vulnerabilities so tell me what was your last Google search let's talk about it instead of <laughs> instead of just focusing on whatever the Google search brought up I love that but um it's so it's so easy to do because mm-hmm. we have so much information out there. Right. So, so when you're working with moms in this group, what what, what do you guys do to sort of sort through the noise? How do we sort through the noise of all the information that's out there? How do we connect it to our individual lives and families and children and values? What are your thoughts on how we can begin to build those bridges and connections, all the information to what it is that we actually want to hold as being valuable to us? Well, I think, um, like you said, with your Google questions, the the conversation is really what ends up doing that for you. So just having that Mm. space to have that conversation, um, whether it's moms like saying things they didn't even know they were thinking or feeling and because they get caught up in a conversation or whether it's them hearing someone else put words to thoughts and feelings they didn't even know they had. It's Mm. really this magical dance that happens in the conversation and having real conversations, you know, not, um, those surface level conversations, but being able to really talk about the inner world that you're experiencing. I think that in of itself begins to one, not fix it. Cause right. Like even a therapy isn't about fixing someone or changing someone. It's just about helping them have a different relationship with whatever they're doing or with who they are so that maybe that in of itself will create change. Mm. But it's about really just reframing and working on the relationships you have with it. And so I think in the groups, that's what really helps the moms is, uh, or in friendships or whatever it is, that's really, really helps the moms is those having those conversations and letting yourself start to have a different relationship with your experience. So Mm -hmm. maybe nothing changes, but now all of a sudden it doesn't feel as heavy because you're not alone in it. You know, other people feel it or it doesn't feel as heavy because you know, it's temporary, you know, it's part of this stage of life, or you have some tools now from talking to someone that's going to help you kind of address it here and there in different ways, whatever it might be. Um, it's in the, it's in the relation or it's in the conversations, it's in the discussions where that clarity of values and that acceptance and awareness really comes out. I love that. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say is having good, good mom friends, right? The kind that you can yeah. really show up with and mm-hmm. talk to about the hard stuff and the vulnerable stuff is really critically important in all this. Finding mom friends can feel like <laughs> dating, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's hard. Where do we, like, I can't even tell you how many moms I've worked with who have said, like, okay, how do I find 
mom friends? Like, am I just on the playground? Or do I just like mm-hmm. go up to somebody who I look like might be nice? And it feels like dating and it, it can feel, they feel like super awkward in it. And how do you even, where, where are they? And how right. do you build those relationships? So do you have any advice on mom dating? <laughs> Mom friend dating. Well, um, I can validate that. There hasn't been one group I've ran yet that that discussion hasn't gotten brought up, Mm. that that isn't a normal feeling. Um, Just making adult friends in general, let alone mom friends, um, is super hard. You know, life gets super busy. Schedules get super busy when you're an adult. It just doesn't happen. Um, But it is so important. And I'm not sure what advice I have since I, like, kind of created groups helping moms avoid that. <laughs> um, and that's, like, what I wanted to avoid as a mom. Yeah. But, um, but, okay, but, but I'm hearing in that one thing, though, is that joining, joining support groups. Like, joining, joining yeah. something, right? Like, so <clears throat> taking the risk. It can feel like a risk, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, okay, I'm going to show up and what's it going to look like? I don't know what to expect, potentially. But taking that step and potentially what feels like a risk of joining mm-hmm. something. Joining something. And that's, and that's where I was going to say. I okay. was going to say that the one thing I can offer is the promise that most moms out there are so freaking awesome and that they want the same things as you and that um, you have to just put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. You have to push through you know, the ideas or whatever it is that's preventing you from saying hi to someone that looks nice or going to that park or library story time or joining that group um and really put yourself out there again um the mom petition the mom shaming you know I think that prevents a lot of people because they feel vulnerable they get scared yeah. again of Did you, you know, say mom petition mom I, petition I've not heard that but I love that is yeah. like, that captures a lot of experiences I think that moms yeah experience that moms have yeah of feeling like it's a competition of like, oh, who's on the best schedule? Is your kid crawling yet? Right. Uh, how many words can your kid say? And you gotta find, yeah, you gotta you, just you move through. You gotta, yeah, like if you sense that, then it's like, okay, remind yourself that's on them. That's like something yeah. internal with them if that's coming up. Right. Um, it's not on you. P- move on and oh, yeah. again, free yourself up to find the moms. Um, or whoever it is that is really going to support you in it. Because I, I can tell, I I have to say, like in becoming a mom, one of the coolest pieces has been the relationships that I've made or the relationships that have grown deeper because of a mutual experience and connection through motherhood. It's, it's so valuable and it's so worth all the terrible effort that it might take yeah, to find it. To find it. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then on that level, I think it's also reminding yourself you only need one to like three deep relationship mom friends you know you don't need 10 to 20 people that you can get really real and deep with it's great you can have like 10 to 20 like fun mom friends or acquaintances or people that your kids really get along with their kids but what you're searching for in terms of that fulfillment and that deep deep conversation and growth is just those one to two to three um from a little insurance in there Um, friends that yeah. um, just get you and that yeah. can, you can be real with mm. and that you get them. Um, and those are the ones you want to make sure that you're putting your effort and you're being the friend that they need also. Mm. You know, you want to put your own responsibility into it yeah. of the two-way streak and yeah. make sure you're not getting too caught up with all this dating out there that mm. you're forgetting you already have oh. um, some solid relationships that you want to be uh, really investing in. investing in pouring into exactly okay. good words I like those words so what about the introvert mom 
yes. who's listening to this right now and is like, okay, yeah, I need, I need to build those like deep connections. But I also, as an introvert, have a deep need for alone time. And I can't tell you how many moms I work with and like part of the struggle that comes in motherhood as an introvert is you are somebody who like literally genuinely desperately needs alone time to just refuel and re-energize. It's not just that you're shy. It's like you really just need that alone time. And being a mom, when you are potentially (laughs) surrounded all day long and being touched all day long, (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've literally pretended to be going to the bathroom just to get alone time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, mama's got to go to the potty. Like, I don't really. Does that work for you? Because they follow me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so how do you, do you like lock them out? Like, I mean, being totally honest, like most of the time, the little fingers are like underneath the door and like they're pounding and I open the door and I'm like, what guys? And you start crying. And that's when, yeah, that's when I figure out I need to leave the house. Yeah. Um, So, but what about for the introvert mom who's listening and is like, what? How do, I don't know, do you have any input or advice for the introvert mom who also needs to be alone, you know? Yeah, um, that's me. I can completely relate to that. Um, my best advice for that is to schedule in the in-person connections and mom dating, or at this point, play dates, um, yeah. and to focus on quality. Mm. So, yes, um it's hard as a mom because I mean, it's, it's a blessed experience, but yeah, you have the kids, you have your partner, you have, for me, I have the dogs. If it's not the kids <laughs> on me, it's the dogs following me on me. Yep. Um, and then you have your family and your friends and it goes on and on and on and on. Um, so alone time doesn't just come. So what I do and what my best advice would be is I know that although it takes energy from me to be around people that it is so good for my mental health. It is so good for me to be around it. I do want it. I do crave it. And so I kind of make little goals for myself. I schedule in, I want to have at least one or two Mm. play dates, um, with some of my, you know, handful of my really best mom friends, um, that I know I'm going to have really nice conversations with. They'll be broken up because, you know, there's kids in the room, but, um, they're going to be heartfelt conversations. I'm going to really going to feel like I know what's going on in their world, that I'm going to feel like they know what's going on in my world, that, um, these, this is going to be a priority that the connection is there for all the time I make. So for me, that means reminding myself, I don't have to say yes to the bigger, Um, you know, they have so much events out now for moms, um, where you could together for me, it's not about being around moms. It's about those connections again. Mm. So for that introverted mom, it'd be like, okay, remind yourself it's okay to say no to all the things that maybe sound kind of cool, but you know, are just going to suck energy. You don't have away from you and say yes to the ones that you know, you're going to walk away feeling better from. Yes. And giving yourself permission to say sometimes it's okay. It is okay sometimes to say no, to, to no to even, even this, even those like one-on-one connections. Like maybe Mm -hmm. there's, you know, somebody who wants to come and like hang out during nap time. And you're like, you know what? I actually need to use nap time today just to refuel. Mm -hmm. And I know that I need that and Mm -hmm. that's okay. But also recognizing as an introvert, you may then kind of feel more comfortable in doing a lot of that. I get stuck into my own little world real quick. Yeah. So then also though, being really 
aware and mindful of the fact that you you do sometimes need to push yourself to not have to do the big thing where you're surrounded by a ton tons of moms mm-hmm. but knowing that you do need to build those those deeper connections those quality relationships and that you will step away from those also feeling refueled yes exactly okay, okay. so i love when parenting experts or mom experts and I don't know if you would (laughs) identify as that but you are a marriage and family therapist which puts you in that position as being seen as an expert who maybe has it all together I love oh dear god (laughs) you're like oh no yeah if only they knew if only I love I love when those people share parenting struggles or stories. I feel like one of the things that I love about following you on social media, social media can sometimes be such a trap of just seeing everybody's filtered, curated highlight reels. I feel like you keep it real on your social media account. And I really, I just really appreciate that. And so I feel like you would be a great person to ask, can you share with us like, do you have a parenting story or a parenting struggle that can help sort of normalize the experience of this for other moms? Yeah. Um, I have many. <laughs> a parenting story, I have like 100,000. You name it, I did it. Um, but I think uh, what really comes to mind is, for me, one of the hardest things about parenting was the vulnerability mm. that it brought. I was just slapped in the face by how much I would love, like, these little beans and the vulnerability and responsibility I felt in raising them and becoming their mom. And um, what I think one of the big themes for me that just kept manifesting itself into my motherhood right from the get-go was uh, perfectionism. Uh, mm-hmm. Brene Brown, she talks about how perfectionism is often a shield we use to escape vulnerability. And when I read that and she gave me words to that, I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, that's, that's me. Yeah. And that just quickly became a battle for me. So the first time it showed up was right in the hospital um, with breastfeeding. I went into parenthood with a very open mind towards breastfeeding. I'm like, oh yeah, if it can work, that'd be cool. If not, okay. I did a class in the hospital, kind of like, okay, how does this thing supposed to work? Like that's kind of scary to me. Um, But I thought I went into it super open-minded when I had my first son, he was like a piranha. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. He, yeah. he, um, yeah. Like I don't know how really you want me to get, but uh, he was like a piranha. Every, nothing was ready for that, and um, it was about six weeks of just toe curling pain that I experienced breastfeeding. Well, I, I had a very similar experience. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it was getting time to feed. Yeah, I was. I would have to hold my husband's hand because I kept cracking and I ended up getting mastitis. And so anytime my first child would latch on, it was like toe curling. It felt like shards of glass. Exactly. Ripping through my nipples. And and I would be dreading the feedings and like... It was, it was so hard and, but I think, you know, beyond, like, I probably should have sought out help for that, but, uh, beyond the actual like surface level of why it was hard, what struck me was how much tied into, I had to do this in order to be a good mom in order Mm. to like win my first parenting challenge, you know, um, that I, I didn't continue breastfeeding because I wanted to. I continued because I felt like it defined me. I had to. And I think, you know, looking back, I'm able to, 
identify that, but I think, uh, that was the first time, you know, this uh, the idea of if I could just do everything perfect mm-hmm. and everything's going to be okay, you know, manifested. And then once I got through that hurdle, it manifested in returning back to work. You know, I had always planned on returning back to work. I'd worked hard to get to where I was. And all of a sudden I would just come home crying every day because I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't showing up at work the way I wanted to show up. I wasn't showing up at home the way I wasn't showing up. I wasn't able to maintain the perfectness, right? Yeah. I wasn't able to be everything to everyone. And again, the underlying pattern behind all of it was just this idea of feeling so unbelievably vulnerable in motherhood and overwhelmed by the responsibilities that I was trying to be this perfect person to escape that. And, and perfectionism has a way of whispering in our ear, if you just act perfect, yeah. do perfect, look perfect, if everything is perfect, then nobody will see that you're feeling really freaked out inside or that yeah. you're feeling vulnerable or that there's any shame there or there's guilt there. If you just act perfect, then nobody will see that. Nobody right. will have to access that and then you can protect yourself. Everything will be okay if you can just uh, pull it off. Just pretend it's okay and everything will be okay. Right. But, then, yeah. but then what happens with that, right, is... Well, it's not maintainable, I'll tell you what. It's not sustainable. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And um, really what ended up helping me was um, I had to learn to be more self-compassionate. I really, mm-hmm. you know, had to mature in motherhood. I don't think there's anything, you know, you could tell a new motherhood right a mother right away that can help her get to that point. It was time. It took me a little bit. Um, but I had to be more self-compassionate. I had to let myself really be more aware of when I was talking down to myself, when, what expectations I was placing on myself Mm. and get better at challenging that. And, um, what helped me a lot was leaning into my support system, leaning into my mom, friends, leaning into my husband, um, and having them say all the nice things that I couldn't say to myself at Mm. first, you know? So allowing yourself to feel compassion from them. Yes. And through that, that that can potentially be a gateway to then experiencing the self-compassion. The self-compassion. And then hearing them talk about their stories and, again, that feeling not alone in it. So, oh, they felt that way too. Okay, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, Mm -hmm. they all feel that way too. And they're totally badass moms. You know, they're doing great and they feel that way. So, okay, like, this is starting to feel a little bit more normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then again, you know, the perfectionism doesn't just go away. It's a constant struggle. Like, even getting here today, I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't. Like, I'm going to say something stupid on the mic. I'm going to, you know. But it's getting better at being more aware of, okay, yeah. Those voices are going off, you know, right. um, Brene Brown calls them those thought gremlins are yeah. coming in. Like you right. want to do this, you know, you can't listen to those. You know, you can't believe those voices. You just got to do it. You just got to keep showing up. Just keep trying. And when you allow yourself to be mindful of when those things show up, right? Yeah. So instead of just being reactive to them, mm-hmm. you can respond to them. You're like, okay, there's that thought. There's that, perf- there's that, perfection, yes. that little perfectionist inside me again, mm-hmm. whispering those things. So first you're being mindful, but then there's also what I'm hearing and what you're saying, there's an acceptance, an acceptance yes. that this is a part of you, right? And that you can show self-compassion towards this part of you by acknowledging and recognizing what is this part actually trying to do? Mm-hmm. It's trying to protect you, right? Mm-hmm. It's trying to protect you. And that's very honorable for perfectionism to want to protect you. But there are times when that doesn't serve you and it's yeah. not actually working, right? It's actually, that's actually not what's called for. right? And so... In the mindfulness, awareness, and acceptance and self-compassion, you're able to create this space where then you can recognize, okay, actually, 
what do I want to do in here? So instead of being reactive, I can be responsive. And in that space, you can choose to connect with a support person, mm-hmm. right? Or, um, or look at what your values are and how, how, who do I want to be as a mother in this space, right? Mm-hmm. For you today, you decided you want to do the podcast. Like there was <laughs> I showed up. You showed up and thank goodness. I took a wrong turn and almost <laughs> didn't, but I got here and literally. pushed through it. Literally did that. Yeah. Literally did. <laughs> there was some value in there and thank goodness, because then you were able to come in here and share your gems and wisdom with us. Um, but there was something in there that showed up that was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to push through and mm-hmm. I'm going to show up anyway yeah, with my vulnerability and not deny that it's there. Right. And, and realizing that showing up anyway is really ultimately the model I want to do for my boys. Mm. You know, I just want them to show up in life. I just want them to be there. And so in motherhood over and over and over again, I have incidences where I'm doubting myself and I just have to push through that and show up the way I'm wanting to show up and um, be the person I'm trying and hoping um, to model for my boys. And again, that really goes back to those conversations and discussions moms can have together where we really help each other push through and those thought gremlins and really push through all these negative thoughts that can spiral us down that are either fed, like you said, through the internet or through society or whoever's feeding these um, thought gremlins of ours, but having that space and that community that helps you push through it so you can connect over and over again to the joy of it um, and just be proud that you showed up is mm. really what it's about. Oh, I love that. Okay, Renata, where can people find you so that they can find, if they're local, they can attend one of your support groups, um, but just also to be able to find your work? Yeah, so my um, website for my groups, if you're a San Diego mom and want to join me, uh, is sdmommyandme.com. And on the internet, I have an Instagram. It's at Milestones Mommy and Me, which is what I named my practice. And I'm on Facebook and at Milestones Mommy and Me. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.